welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 1. If you've got it, would you say amen? I'll be reading from the NIV this morning. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. I want to preach to you for a few moments today on the subject, don't be a sellout. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray for me as I do the same for you? Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house. I thank you, O Lord, that we can come into this place and that we can worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you'd open every heart, mind, and spirit. Lord God, that they'd be receptive to your word. Let the seed of the word fall onto good ground in Jesus' mighty name, that it might produce a hundredfold harvest. Lord, I pray that you'd help me, God, as, as your mouthpiece today, me. So I ask you today for the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is necessary to do what you've called me to do here today. And God, for anything good that's done in advance, I'm going to go ahead and give you praise, honor, and glory, because I believe you're going to do some good things in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Before you see it, turn around, give four or five people a fist bump and tell them, I'm glad to see you at the 9 a.m. service here today. And let me say, it is good to see you here this morning, and uh, I'm just, I'm continually surprised by those who continue to come, and I've told you this before, when we started this, I thought, you know, if we have 30 people in 9 a.m., that takes 30 people out of the sanctuary to give a little more room for the second service, but I don't think we've been below 60 in the two and a half months that we've been doing it, actually maybe three months now when you count April. And so thank you for being here, and uh, I believe that God is, I know it's a blessing. Some of you, I know why you're here, because you can get here and you got other stuff to do today, and you can get to that. So let me say thank you for being here early. But obviously if you're here, you probably don't think this is too early. Now for the 11 o'clock folks, a lot of them are like, I can't get there at 9, and they drag in at 11. So thank you for being here today. Don't be a sellout. We read this story here in the book of 1 Kings chapter 21. As we stop there at verse 4, I didn't want to read the entire chapter, but to summarize it, as we find then uh, uh, Ahab, he wants this vineyard. He's called by Scripture the most wicked king to rule Israel several times throughout the Scripture. He was the king of the northern kingdom for 22 years. 
This is the time of the divided kingdom. As you'll remember, after Solomon, when Solomon's son came to take the throne, there was a great split divided into the Israel divided into the northern and the southern kingdom. It was the northern kingdom was still referred to as Israel. Samaria was their capital. Then the southern kingdom, uh, the capital was Jerusalem. And so Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. He ruled from Samaria for 22 years. And besides being the most wicked king to rule Israel, probably the most notable thing about Ahab was who he was married to. And if you've been in church very long at all, I know that you've heard of his wife whose name is Jezebel. How many of you have heard of Jezebel before? She promoted the worship of Baal in Israel. She killed prophets of the Lord. She threatened to kill Elijah. She is a name synonymous with sin. In fact, even Jesus himself in the book of Revelation references Jezebel when addressing the church at Thyatira of their tolerating of sin. And anytime we examine Ahab or Jezebel in the Old Testament, they are clear representations of the enemy to us. In our text, we find that Ahab wanted something that belonged to a man named Naboth. Uh, now, there are things that you have, I believe, that the enemy wants to take from you as well. I talked about one of the main ones last week when I preached about, and anybody remember, Satan wants your brain. The enemy wants control of your mind. He wants to rule in your mind. He wants to take residence in your mind. He wants to control your thoughts in your mind because if he can get in your mind, he can control everything else. The enemy wants to take your mind. He also wants to take, if he can't take your whole mind, he'll try to take your peace. You see, I believe that Jesus is referred to in the Scripture as the Prince of Peace. And the enemy wants to bring chaos into our lives. He wants us to be in a constant state of anxiety, in a constant state of worry. The enemy wants to take your peace. The enemy wants to take your health. If he can't take your mind and he can't take your peace, he'll try to touch your body. Uh, in fact, we read in the story of Job that the Lord told the enemy when he came and he wanted to, in the enemy he wanted to destroy Job. At first, God said, you can take everything he's got, but you can't touch his body. You can't touch his health. You see, the enemy desires to take your health from you. The enemy wants to take your health. Last week in the 11 o'clock service, we do everything we can possibly to sing the same songs. I preach the same sermon, but it's a different crowd in each service. And so last week in the 11 o'clock, uh, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord was moving in the altars like he did here in the 9 o'clock last week. But something unique happened when Brother Randy Romero was up here praying, I just felt the Spirit of the Lord tell me that the enemy was trying to get to his mind by striking his body. And so I gave another call, an altar call, and I said, if you're here and the enemy has been touching your body and afflicting you with sickness and it's touching your mind, come on up here. And we had yet another response. The enemy wants to take your health because he can then, if he takes your health, begin to mess with your mind and tell you, you must be in sin. You must be messing 
messing up if you don't have your health. And can I tell you also that the enemy so desperately wants to take your anointing. He wants to take the anointing that God has on your life. He wants to steal your anointing. And I know I could go on and on, but I just need to remind you today that there are things that you have that the enemy wants to take from you. And we find here in our text that Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard. And so in this message, I'm going to take a few truths from this story. Now, I want to give you as Paul Harvey, I know I'm dating myself there. How many of y'all remember who Paul Harvey was? I'm going to give you the rest of the story. For those of you, how many of you don't know who Paul Harvey is? Let me see your hand. Google it. Go ahead and Google it. As Paul Harvey used to say, now here's the rest of the story. Ahab wanted the vineyard, and he goes home dragging his bottom lip to his honey, Jezebel, and she says, why? are you not just taking this thing you're the king for goodness sake and so Naboth go or excuse me Ahab goes off pouting and Jezebel concocts a plan and has Naboth killed and then she comes back to Ahab and said honey Naboth is dead you just go and take your vineyard you see we find that the enemy just like Ahab wants to take things from you just like Ahab have wanted to take the vineyard from Naboth. So let's look at this this morning. First of all, I believe that Naboth had something of great value. Naboth had something of great value. You see, there are some things that we have, are you ready for this, that they aren't valuable and they aren't worth fighting for. Well, uh, nobody believes that one, but I'm going to try to take you through this so you see that. I've heard this from uh, several different sources and, and said dif several different ways, but this is the way I'm going to give it to you, and I believe I've told you this before. You can't throw rocks at every dog that barks. You see, we don't need to fight over trivial things. There are some things that you have that you don't need to fight over keeping because Sometimes it ain't even the devil taking them. Sometimes it's God that wants you to get rid of them, and he might even use the devil to take it from you. Oh, y'all done got quiet. It, this must be either really bad or really good, but I'm going to keep on plowing here. There's a few things that you don't need to fight over. There's a few things you don't need to keep. One of those things is pride. Oh, my. How many times have we wanted to fight to keep our pride. How many times have we wanted to fight with somebody, argue with somebody, to try to keep our pride? But how many of you know that pride still has no business in the life of a child of God? In fact, the Bible said, pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You don't need a fight to try to keep your pride. You know what else we don't need to fight over? That we need to just let go? We don't need to fight for having the last word. It's going to get real this morning. We live in a world where everybody wants to fight and argue and everything else, and we want to have the last word on it all. Can I tell you something you don't need to fight over? I'm going to talk about some things that are of great value and you do need to fight for, but one of the things that you don't need to fight for is having the last word. You didn't know what I was going to I'm going to go into mini marriage seminar right here. It is not worth fighting just to have the last 
last word. And before she steps up and hollers, I'm not saying I've never done that before. But I'm speaking from experience here. It is not worth fighting to have the last word. You know what else is not worth fighting for? The credit. Sometimes we, sometimes we probably, we should get credit for some things. Sometimes there are things that we work for. Sometimes there are things that we've done. Sometimes there are things that we've done, but, but, but we somehow, some way, don't end up getting the credit. Can I tell you that it is not worth fighting over getting the credit? In fact, when I read in the Scripture, I find that Jesus says, when you do so, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And when you do it in that manner... He said, then if you give and you bless in secret, he said, then I'm going to reward you openly. But if you get your credit here on earth for everybody to see, then that's over. You just got your credit right there. This is better preaching than y'all are amen in this morning. <laughs> Last one. What else you don't, do you not need to fight over? Having to be right. I know that we all, listen, I, I, again, I am preaching to the preacher this morning. I am up here preaching to myself and saying that, that it is not worth fighting over trying to always be right. You don't have to get into every Facebook argument. You, you don't have to get into every argument there is. Don't fight over being right all right y'all i could tell y'all are done with that let's move on now because naboth did have something of great value naboth's vineyard was something of great value and great importance in fact look at verse three of our text there again but naboth replied the lord forbid that i should give you the inheritance of my fathers it was obvious here that naboth put great value on this vineyard, it was an inheritance from his fathers. Now, let's examine this because there's a couple things that we do know. First of all, that even at this time of this story, that people did buy and sell property. So what was the significance here? If people did buy and sell property, that was something that happened in those days. In fact, I just read a, a, back a, a few days back in the book of Jeremiah that the Lord actually tells him to buy some property, and they, they made a deal while he was in prison, and Babylon's about to take over. It was a promise of faith, but that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. But, but it was not against God's will. They would buy and they would sell property, so that was not the problem. So what was the significance? Well, I believe that it was not really about the property itself, but what was contained on that property that was of such significance, and that was a vineyard. Somebody say a vineyard. In Scripture, vineyards represent spiritual fruit that we are to be producing through the flowing of the Holy Spirit through us as we are connected to Jesus. Jesus himself said that we are the branches and he is the vine. If you want to put it like this, we're the limbs and he's the tree trunk. He's where the source is. He's where the flow is coming from. And we are supposed to be producing fruit as the Holy Spirit is flowing through us. How many of you still believe in the fruit of the Spirit here today? I believe that we are supposed to be producing fruit in our lives. Now, let me give you a couple of few quick facts about vineyards. Are y'all ready? First of all, it takes three years 
after planting a vineyard for it to produce grapes. Now, I could stop right here, and I could preach an hour. Don't panic. I could preach an hour long. I'm not going to about that right there. Because what do we want right now? What do we want? We want instant gratification, immediate satisfaction. We want to sow a seed, and we want to eat the fruit immediately. But that ain't how it works, is it? You can't go out there. Brother Billy didn't go out there in the spring and plant that okra and plant those tomatoes and go sit on his deck and drink a Mountain Dew and walk out there 10 minutes later and boom, okra and tomatoes was there. No. He had to water it when it was hot and dry. He had to pull the weeds out of it whenever the weeds were trying to take over. We live in a society of instant gratification. We want instantaneous satisfaction. We want to do something and say, God, where's the reward? Five seconds later. But can I tell you in this faith walk, I still believe that the Bible teaches us things like sowing and reaping. But when you sow, sometimes you've got to water. Sometimes you've got to weed it. Sometimes you've got to wait on it. No, none of us want to wait on it, though, do we? We want it right then and right there. And so we find that according to, according to those that know way more about vineyards than me, when you plant a vineyard, it's going to take probably around three years before you ever get a grape. Man, we do stuff for God sometimes, and we just expect a reward right there. We've heard so many, and listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to blame us preachers. I'm going to blame us preacher. Are you ready? We've heard so many offering takings up at camp meetings and meetings where we're trying to meet a budget. And we tell a story about how somebody gave in the offering and they walked out. And before they could get out the bill and somebody handed it back to them, that and more. And listen, I'm not negating that. God can and will and does do that at times, but that's not the norm. You see, it, it takes three years after planting a vineyard for it to produce grapes. What else do we know about vineyards? Young vines set more fruit than they can ripen. And as they age, the vines learn to self-regulate, yields come into balance, and grapes ripen more evenly. I'm going to say that one more time. Young vines set more fruit than they can ripen. You know, sometimes when we're young in Christ. We want to do so much stuff. We want to do this and we want to do that. We want to try to do all this. And sometimes we get so much. We, they get, I've seen young Christians get so excited and they want to do so many things and then they end up burning out. You see, as they age, vines learn to self-regulate. Yields come into balance and grapes ripen more evenly. You know, that's why I thank God but when I look even in both services, I know I was kind of joking last week about the age differences in the services, and it fluctuates from week to week. But I thank God, and I've always been like this. I believe God put us together. We need the youngest of the young and the oldest of the old together. Because sometimes the young vines start putting on all this fruit, and they think they could do it, and they need some of them old vines that have been around and learn to self-regulate a little bit to say, hold on, slow it down. I know that you're eager, but don't get too much. That you can't handle. I'm gonna move on here. Last thing I'm gonna give you about vineyards: maintenance is necessary. Y'all aren't gonna y'all like this one. Vines must be pruned. In the keeping of a vineyard, 
in order for the vineyard to remain productive, in order for the vineyard to make the most fruit, then the vines must be pruned. Can I tell you, man and woman of God, there are still times in our life that God is going to have to come up with those snips and he's going to prune us. He's going to snip some stuff off of our life, even as old and aged vines that's been doing this thing for a while. Sometimes still, God comes to us as the vineyard keeper, and he is going to take things out of our lives, prune things that don't need to be there. Sometimes he cuts off big chunks. Oh, I don't have time to go into all that, but God sometimes cuts off big chunks. But trust in the Lord, because as surely as God cuts off the big chunk, it's for our own good, and coming out of that will be more fruit than the old would have ever produced before. I'm moving on. This vineyard represented heritage to Naboth, and he wasn't willing to sell out. See, I've come to the place where I'm not willing to sell out. There's been too many people that have sown into me. I think about my parents. My parents, my parents weren't in ministry. I'm not a second, third, fourth generation preacher. I'm a first generation preacher, but I do have godly parents that made sure I went to church, taught me the word of God, made sure that I knew what was right and what was wrong and had a relationship with the Lord. And when I had a call on my life, they supported me in that. And I'm telling you, I, my parents, I don't want to sell out my heritage. I don't want to sell out my heritage to my parents or to those who have sown prayer and effort into me. Can I remind every person in this building, you didn't get to where you are by yourself. Any success that you ever have in your life, whether you're a pastor or anything else on this planet, you did not get there by yourself. It is always somebody that has helped you to get there. I owe a debt to those that have sown prayer into my life. I I owe a debt to those that have given me opportunity after opportunity. I think about that as, as Sister Linda and her kids posted about Pastor Hank is at the anniversary of his passing just this past week. And I also had a memory come up of how he sowed into my life and my friend's life and other young ministers. I owe a debt and I have determined that I am not willing to sell out my faith or sell out my inheritance in God because too many people have sown into me. Those that have blazed a trail ahead of me in the faith, I refuse to be the one that drops the baton or at least drop it and not pick it back up. Listen, I may drop it every once in a while, but I refuse to be the one that quits. I refuse to be the one that even though I might stumble and even though I might drop it, I refuse to be the one that just stops and will never pick it back up. I refuse to be the one. I've seen too much. God's blessed me too much. There's some things that are too important for me to sell out on. Listen, there's a pushing in our world today to not leave a footprint of our being here. Caleb, if you'll come, or all the musicians can come to the instruments if they would. Now listen, I want you to hear me today. I'm not against taking care of our planet. But you know, for so long, 
everyone talked about, I want to leave a mark. I want to, I want to, I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave this. And now, you know, so much of the talk and all young people here now is, listen, I, I don't, don't, even let, don't even let anybody know that you've ever been there. And listen, I'm not talking about in this, please don't misunderstand me, I'm not talking about abusing the environment, and I'm not even talking about trying to build things and do things that don't even last anyway. But here's one thing I want to do. I do want, when I'm gone from this planet, I want to leave a lasting mark from the Lord. And can I tell you that the way that that happens, it's not by building buildings and having plaques mounted to them. It's not by trying to, to build something so that somebody could say that I did. You know the only way that you can do something that's ever going to last is when you sow into other people. When you begin to sow into people's lives and you begin to sow into them, then they then, they're going to die too if the Lord tarries one day. But then what you sowed into them, they can then sow into another another and they can then sow into another and they can then sow into another if there's anything that's ever going to last it's not going to be made with bricks and with mortar and with clay it's going to be made by making a, a sowing into people being willing to say I want to sow into somebody's life I want to leave a lasting mark for the Lord I'm going to tell you this, frequently throughout the Bible, God's people would recite history and how God had been with their forefathers and therefore God would be with them. Over and over, they would recite that. They'd begin, they'd say, you know, Father Abraham, the Lord was with him. Then he's with his son Isaac. Then he's with his son Jacob. And then he was with Joseph and took him into Egypt and as an incubator there. And then he raised up Moses as the deliverer. And then he raised up Joshua to help them take the bronze. And all of those things, I say all that to say this. Throughout history, we find, even in the Bible, repetition of what God had done in other people. Let me tell you this, and please, I'm not trying to be controversial here, so I want you to hear me. But I, I got I to gotta speak truth here today. Don't ever try to erase history, good or bad. Because we need to remember history, our mistakes and our successes. It's biblical. You don't think so? You better go in this book and you better read some of the mistakes that happened. You read about Lot, how he impregnated his two daughters. You read about some of these things. You better remember, don't try to erase history. Because the minute you forget history, you repeat history. Learn from it. Learn from your mistakes. I pray that my two daughters will learn from stupid mistakes that I've made so that they don't have to repeat them. What's your faith worth to you? I told you, Jezebel, she gets to Ahab. She concocts his plan. She has Naboth killed. So then Ahab goes out there to Naboth's vineyard. In fact, it says in verse 16, when Ahab heard Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. But then the Lord spoke to the prophet Elijah. In verse 20, look at this. 
Elijah shows up there at the vineyard. Ahab said to Elijah, so you have found me my enemy. Elijah says this, I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. He said, I am going to bring disaster on you. I'm going to consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male and Israel slave for free. Ahab sold out. Ahab sold out. Elijah said it. <laughs> Elijah shows up and it cracks me up. Ahab, so you found me, my enemy. Because Ahab was a, a, a king, a backslidden ungodly king and the man of God showed up and he calls him his enemy he says oh yeah I found you because you've sold yourself to do evil what is your faith worth to you what are you willing to sell out for what kind of pleasure are you willing to sell out for what kind of fame are you willing to sell out for what kind of popularity are you willing to sell out for Ahab sold out Naboth was willing to die before selling out his inheritance. What mark are you going to leave on this earth when you're gone? I hope and I pray, I hope and I pray that I leave a lasting mark in my family and my children and those who I've pastored. I look at it, and listen, I didn't even plan to say this. You know, I look at it, I look at, I look at a young man. His name's Bryce down in Loosedale. He was a kid all eight years. They were there, their family, part of the church. And I look at him, and he's got a call on his life. And I've been seeing he preach for the first time down in Loosedale. You know, that's the kind, that's the kind of mark I want to leave. Listen, if the Lord takes me before we ever build a new building out there, any of that, listen, I, I'm not really worried about that. We're going to go with God however all that happens. But listen, what I am worried about is that I can leave a mark on those that I pastor, on my girls, that I leave a lasting legacy on this earth when I'm gone. We've got to determine what's worth fighting for and what isn't worth fighting for. You've got to decide what, what dogs do you not need to throw rocks at. What's not worth fighting for? What's not worth getting into arguments for? What's not worth it? And then determine what is worth fighting for. What is worth putting your feet in the ground and saying, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. What is worth it? Stand with me, if you will, please, this morning. Would you just lift your hands with me all over the sanctuary right now? Just lift your hands for just a moment. Spirit of the living God, I thank you that you're here in this place today. I thank you for your word, that it will not return void, but it will accomplish that which has been set forth to do. Now, Lord, I pray that you would just help us this morning. Help us to make that determination. Lord, we're not going to sell out. There's some things we cannot and we will not sell out. Help us also with those things that we probably need to let go. Some things that it's not worth fighting over. It's not worth sticking our feet in the ground. It's not a hill worth dying on. Lord, speak to us here this morning. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and the Lord's speaking to you right now and you say, Pastor, I, the Lord is just speaking to me. I just, I want to come down. I want to pray. I want to pray that the Lord will help me to not sell out. Or maybe there's some things as you say, I want the Lord to help me to know what I don't need to sell out and some stuff that I really just need to let go. If you're here and you want prayer, these altars are open right now. I want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning, you say, I want prayer. I, there's some things, there's some things that I need to let go of. I know I need to let go of. And then there's some things that I know I need to hold on to. As they begin to sing, I'm not going to beg, bleed, pump, or prime, but if the Spirit of the Lord is moving on you this morning, I want you to come. I want to pray with you here today as they begin to sing. You are worthy of it all. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.